Hello, Logic friends. This is Glenn Teal, host of episode 31 with Dan Bowers. Dan and I go way back, and it was great catching up with him. He's a VFX supervisor and filmmaker based out of New York City. I hope you enjoy the show. And now, a word from our sponsors. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage if you need any help with roto, paint, cleanup, or 3D match move, give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com. Nice, man. Well, welcome. Welcome to Thank the you. Logic Podcast. Thank you. How's it going? <laughs> Dude, I was just thinking about this. I think it was yesterday. We've known each other for 19 years. But who's counting? Dude, that's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy, man. Yeah, I don't... You, I mean, I was a sophomore. You were... When you were a freshman. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what class we would have met in but i think it was tim sherry's i only had like one or two classes with him yeah i think it was his class i think it was just the film history 101 or something yeah because i didn't get into that as a freshman so okay that was something i took a little bit later i took like a bunch of like modern art classes freshman year because it was the closest i could get to the uh the film (laughs) school classes (laughs) (laughs) nice nice yeah actually so you entered not as a screen studies major? I went to Clark for screen studies, but I was like a total idiot. And I didn't know that like the numbers were associated with like class difficulty. <laughs> so my first class was government like 255. And like oh, the geez. first thing, first day of college that I was told was like, if you're a freshman, you need to leave. And I was so embarrassed that I just stayed. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. That's why I have the, the other degree in political science. Because I fulfilled oh. the Paris requirement first. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know you had accident. a... Okay. Dude, that's crazy, man. Nice. Okay, so we start this off with a couple flame questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, no, very easy. Very easy. It's all just personal preference. Desktop, horizontal or vertical? A horizontal. Okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I feel like I try vertical like once a year, and then I just abandon it after about 30 minutes. <laughs> I mean, look, we may have known each other for like almost two decades, but we're still too young to be using vertical reels. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, flame or smoke hotkeys? Oh, flame. Okay, yeah, me too. Do you do a tablet on the side of the keyboard or in front? Uh, to the side because it screwed up my back if I had it in front. I'm yeah, a big okay. I feel like I more just, and more people are doing this off to the side. I was adamant about it in front for like years, but it screwed my back up so bad. Would you get like a little pain in? Yeah. Re- yeah. Okay. So I get that pain every once in a while. Flame neck. Yeah. Okay. So maybe yeah, I got to switch it. <laughs> someone told me, like, look, spread it out. What are you doing to yourself? And I, it took me a little while to get comfortable, but I haven't had like proper flame neck since. Okay. That's All the right. medical term. Yeah, yeah, right, right. The official medical, yeah. <laughs> From NYU Medical Center, yeah. yeah. Single or dual view when you're in batch? Always single. Me too. Okay. Yeah, I get confused with dual. 
that's <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I don't use it. It I it probably makes sense. But. Yeah, you could see like a context or something, but I just I always end up clicking one of them and then I hit, you know, escape and then it gets I don't know. I just get confused in dual dual view. Yeah. I, I, mean, I like yeah. having a video monitor. Even at like my home system, I like having a video monitor. I think oh, sorry, you got the cool. Flanders, right? Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. I have a little, tiny little Flanders, but it's, you know, even that is still super useful just to always have your output. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's true. It, it actually took me a while to get used to, because I don't have that. So at home, when we went, you know, work from home, it took me a while to get used to just looking at your UI monitor and not having that. I hate it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it's the worst. You know, we went to college together, but I feel like we kind of lost touch for a little bit. How did you get into post after college? Well, I was like making a bike video during college. Which, like, dude, I still have that. <laughs> I <funny>. have the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's awesome. It was, it was wild. I mean, I was shooting that like my senior year when I was supposed to be writing my thesis. I was like going and shooting people at the skate park and that kind of thing. And so like, I was learning a lot more like through that than we ever learned. It was like, I, cool. I don't also, I mean, we didn't study like film production. Like there was no, yeah. it's like a very weird coincidence that we both became flame artists because there was none of this at Clark. You know, we learned yeah. film theory, which is like yep. so fucking useless. Oh, shoot. It's just dirty. No, you did. You can swear. You can swear. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't feel like any of the theory we learned with Butzel or Sherry helped you out? You know, it's great in client sessions, but that doesn't really happen any longer. You know, it's like if you want to know like some flowery reference to potentially impress or possibly annoy, I guess, a agency creative, it's it's good. And I think an understanding of art history is always valuable if you're trying to make pretty images or whatever it is we do. But yeah, no, I don't think that there's a tremendous value in a film history class. There was definitely more value in the people we got to meet. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's how I got into post was Drew Geary got me yeah. into company three Girl. and I was in the vault cleaning negative right when the Che Guevara movie that was shot in the red came out. So I learned all these like skills about like handling negative right as it was like totally obsolete. Right. <laughs> dude, that's right. Like, oh my first... God. The, dude, I didn't know you worked on, did you work on Che? No, 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 no. I just, I remember when it happened okay. because I was like lugging all these reels of film around and it was, it was pretty labor intensive and like, yeah, I, you know, winding film is, I mean, it was fun to do, but like those chemicals that we would use in like the, it's like a phone booth that you would sort of dunk the film into. Okay. I'm sure huffing that wasn't good for you. <laughs> no, no, dude, not at all. And was this at company three? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's cool that you have that background. Cause I do remember when I first moved to LA short films were still being shot on super 16. Yeah. It's cause this is before red and all of that. And you know, I guess if you wanted it to look somewhat cinematic film was still the thing, but yeah, once red came out, it just, the industry changed like overnight. Yeah. And in ways that I, I think we don't really talk about a lot. Like, you know, I think the immediacy of what we do changed overnight too, you know, like, postings versus like yep. my first couple of years as like an assist, we were still slinging digibetas around New York Dude, city. Like, I know man. Yeah. In the tape room, patching, patching bays to digibeta decks. And it was crazy. Like we would patch it to a digibeta, but then also patch it to like a mini DV and Sony. I worked on a couple 
trailers for Sony. And then they also wanted DVDs too. So we'd have like three different patches going, recording at the same time. And then I'd have to drive it over to the studio. And then I I was always like, God, why don't they use FTP? You know, just this basic, (laughs) you know, web posting. And then they finally did. It was the the tsunami in Japan that like totally shifted the industry. Oh, I remember that because we couldn't get tapes. and uh, Exactly. Yeah, once we couldn't get tapes, it was like, oh, can you just post it? <laughs> I remember we had this dude, like, because after Company 3, I was working in a machine room. And, like, okay. we were telling me, like, oh, we're going to get a flame. And I was like, I don't know what a flame is. And I yeah. just wanted to do other stuff. I would just always be talking to, like, the guy who would come to sell the tapes. And I would just, like, place our orders and work with him. And I'm just, he's like, you know, you guys are buying less and less tapes. I'm like, yeah, do you sell hard drives? Because I think that's probably a... Yeah, the future. This dude had been selling tapes for like 25, 30 years in New York City to all the post houses. That was his life. It's really sad. Oh, man. Well, hopefully he started buying uh, Lacey's or something. <laughs> no, I heard he's like really heavy into crypto. Now oh, he's okay. Like, all right. So he, he adapted. I just made that up. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's awesome. All right. So how did you – so you were at Company 3 working on film, like actual film, and yeah. then – what was your shift into compositing? Like, how, how did you make that transition? It happened really quick because I got hired by an edit company to, to run their machine room and to, like, make sure things were going out okay because I knew how to read scopes. Like, if I didn't know how to read scopes, I wouldn't have gotten the job. Really? Okay. And we were building the machine room up. And I remember we were, like, putting the racks in. And one day I was just trying to figure out how we could mount just, like, a consumer computer screen to the rack. And the guy... Actually, he was. It's Todd Iorio to just name check someone who yeah. got me into this. He's responsible for this. These life choices. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, he's like a big flame guy in L.A. He had come to New York, and he liked the way I was just trying to solve the problems. And he's like, "You should be a flame." And at wow. that point in my career, I'd spent like you know a year and a half in New York City, just sort of like trying to do anything. And someone actually said I'd be good at something, so I was like, "Yes, I, I should be a flame." <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Well, I do remember, you know, in college, we had our little film collective and... Hell yeah, dude. We made great movies. Yeah. (laughs) No, dude. Yeah, we did, man. And you were the one that I feel like focused on screenwriting and, you know, coming up with those ideas and, you know, Nugget, John and I were a little more technical. We we were kind of like, when I heard you became a flame artist, I was like, holy, number one, how the hell did you do that? Because, dude, I mean, flame is, it's it's not easy, you know, out of the gate. And not saying that you didn't have the, the technical side at Clark, but you know, within our group, you were more of the, you know, the screenwriter coming up with ideas and all of that. And I feel like I was kind of helping you with some of the more of the post. You were doing all of it. I mean, I didn't understand it. Like you guys would talk about RAM. And like, <laughs> like, well, I'm not the most technical flame artist. I, I'll okay, never yeah, be yeah. that bad person. It's problem solving, which I do really like. And screenwriting okay. is something that is great to do. And I, I love writing. Yeah, you still do. Kind of, I'm still doing it all the time. But that's like one set of problems. And getting on a flame and learning that was a totally different thing. Right. And it became like a means to an end. It's like, well, I'm making these movies. I have no money. If I learn this thing, I can make them look a little bit better. Ah, and okay. So like, it was sort of just, you know, it was an occupational thing at first and it kind of kept growing. Yeah. Now was, was Flame your first compositing app that you jumped on or was it Nuke? I learned both at the same time, which is a weird and not <laughs> a great way to go. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's got to be hard. Because we had a Flame. 
Okay. What's essentially like initially I was just archiving and then I would conform and then I would slide on over to this new station and I would like do the easiest support shots. Oh, okay. And slowly they, I kept doing more and more and more. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Pretty ideal way to learn. Cause you know, it's like, it was trial by fire with the safety of like freelancers. Like I would get the job as far as I could. And I knew the freelancer was coming in on like whatever day and they could just take over and hopefully I didn't like screw it up. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. But I mean, even Nuke, I mean, that's Nuke is not easy either. Like, was someone mentoring you at this company or did you just, they were like, all right, Dan, you have the flame after hours. You got a Nuke station over here. Just figure it out. Like, how did, how did you jump into that? Well, so it was an edit company. So there aren't like teams and teams and teams of people. Like, I think I learned quite slowly because there were, I, I was pretty much solo. Nuke was a little bit easier because there was more, like there there wasn't logic. No, I know. Whatever I was like 15 years ago. And like getting flame information out was always like, when the artist came by, you'd pick their brain. I would always just take apart their setups after the job ended, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. And look, I had my, my mentor, I was in New York City and my mentor was in LA. So I was getting Whoa. like- he would pick apart my shots and be like, your edges suck, or this is a problem here, that kind of thing. But I was on my own learning, which was kind oh of good for God. me because I didn't know anything. <laughs> so I yeah, was never no, 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 for sure. So how did that work back in that? Would you like archive it and send it? I mean, this isn't like Teradici days, you know, how, how are you guys, if he's in LA and you were in New York, how are you guys sharing stuff? There was no infrastructure at, at the edit company. There was just, I would just put it on like Google Drive. Or was it oh, you wow. send it? That was one. I would just send like an H264. I mean, I was running the machine room so I could make a nice small file and just. Oh, it okay. Out. Okay. And then sometimes they would have extra work they couldn't handle. So I would just start doing the shots for them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was just, I was just getting started. It was great. Yeah. Nice. And then at that company, is that when you became a flame artist? Did you kind of like rise up through the ranks there? No, I bounced around a bit. I was a junior at a animation company after that that no longer exists. And then I was over at Smoke and Mirrors for a bit. And that's where I became a flame artist. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, legendary shop. It was crazy. I mean, I had never, coming from like an editorial and more design background, that was my like, holy shit, the CG is really, really nice looking. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> well, like the found I can't remember his name, but the founder of that, I mean, he set it up somewhat differently than a normal shop, right? Like his whole idea was being closer to the clients. Is that correct? Yeah, it was Sean, Sean Brutton. Okay. Was, he was still there. He was sort of like phasing his time out and the company has changed since. Okay. Like, I don't think they do an awful lot of CG or they did beautiful work. I mean, that 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 team in New York was doing some really great stuff in like early oddies. Okay. I think that means like 10, 2010 ish. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying oddies like I know what it means. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like the O's, the 10. Yeah, 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 for the sure. O's. So, okay. So you, you started there as a junior, then you kind of moved up and became a, a flame artist. I was a junior at the animation studio and then Smoke and Mirrors pulled me over to like the... Nice typical flame role. Okay. Where I've been middling ever since. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So what what kind of jobs were you doing at Smoke and Mirrors? I would sort of do like the easy jobs. Like I had like a chase stuff, like a guy stuck in a freezer writing like help me and the frost trying to get out to give financial advice. Okay. A lot of support work. Cause you know, like you said, Sean did make a 
kind of like a boutique kind of very hands-on thing. Like it was a very collaborative vibe with the artists there. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And then at some point you started getting more into color, right? Was that at Smoke and Mirrors or? All along I've been using flame to color coming from company three and seeing some of the film projects we were working on. It was pretty cool. Just like what you could do and how quickly you could impact a, a story. And I've always come from a place, and it's interesting because I feel like going to New York in like 2009, 2010 or whatever, the industry was so fragmented. And, you know, like I learned like, you know, this person does this, this person does that. And I think as time has gone on, you know, things have gotten, you need to be like a triple hyphen or, you know, at least yeah, a double hyphen. Uh, yeah. So being able to do some color correction, bouncing between flame and nuke, all that sort of stuff has, I think, been really important. And I think that's going to continue to be important moving forward. Yeah, for sure. But I, I do know, I do remember you texting me, wasn't there a, a pretty good point where you were just grading? Yeah. Was it like for NFL or something? There was like some big campaign you guys were doing. I did like a season of NFL game promos where like they wanted like a very cinematic lens flary thing. So it was like taking game footage and making it look like it was from a, like a, you know, blockbuster kind of vibe. Okay. Doing like really crazy color stuff. Like I wouldn't even call it grading. It was like weird look dev, you know, there was no raw files. It just, Oh, it was okay. just sort of, yeah, they're weird. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many games. It was like a promo for every game. So there was just a lot of color work for a while there. Damn. Okay. And was this like pretty intense? Like, were you doing it all in batch or were you doing it timeline or how, how are you? Yeah. I would pretty much just treat each grade as a batch. And then there'd be some kind of gap effect things that just sort of smear it all together at the end, whether it was like a lens flare element or some sort of color wash that might have been like trying to connect two different shots together. Okay, gotcha. But no, I want to dive more into kind of, yeah, how flame is right now in the industry and like where Nuke has kind of come in and somewhat taken over. I've seen that at Framestar. I mean, we have way more Nuke artists at Framestar than Flame artists and it's pipeline driven. So you have a massive job. You could just, throw more people onto shots, right? Yeah. I mean, I've worked at both frames door in the mill and they are pretty similar in that respect. I think there's a critical mass of nukes that you need to offset the time it would take a flame to like parse out the work and stuff in a particular type of project. It's not, and this is coming from someone who, you know, I've only worked at frame store as a nuke artist. I've never right, touched a flame yeah. at frame store. That dude, that blows my mind, man. Because like I know you as a flame artist, and then you're only being booked as a nuke artist. It's weird. I mean, I, it's it's just you know that's how this industry is. You know, you get known for a certain thing at a certain place, and then they they don't they have like blinders or something. I don't know, or they just yeah, you get pigeonholed. Yeah. Now, so when you're working at frame store, say as a nuke artist, are you working in commercials? Or are you doing episodic, or is it everything? film and uh, well each booking is usually for a specific thing and you know you might like jump over to something else if there's like a down day or what happens something weird with the project or whatnot i've done both i did one of the big tech company projects there and i've done a bunch of episodic work there okay and having done episodic at other facilities i thought frame stores was their infrastructure was fantastic nice okay nice. okay gotcha yeah because i do feel like there is a shift you know nuke is it's kind of taken over <laughs> Know both. Learn both. It's it's just yeah. It's pix it's putting pixels together, and there are things in Nuke that I would never want to do in Flame, and vice versa. Okay, let's go into that. I want to hear some more. Uh, okay, well, camera tracking in Nuke is it didn't just get like so. Flame's just got that big new camera analysis node yeah, and the slam. 
or whatever. Yeah. It seems to be working great. I've used it on a few projects. I'm currently on a project now that's only flame compositing. Okay. So like is this project in particular, we had tried to incorporate a bunch of nukers, but you know, sometimes like really 2D heavy stuff isn't their forte. Really? Okay. I mean, we had, we, I had, we had issues on this project with new artists. What are some of the issues, you know, issues within Nuke when it comes to 2D specific tasks? It's not the program. Okay. It's the artist. I think uh, like really? the most powerful tool is the one that you know the best. And we were, we had a bunch of Nuke artists that are accustomed to like comping CG characters that were then asked to do like 2D intensive tasks. Okay. And they were uncomfortable. You could do the work in either. Personally, I think those sort of 2D beauty or you know we were doing like tracking things on people's skin Mm -hmm. and it's easier in flame okay that said camera tracking building a 3d scene comping cg i don't want to do that in flame right (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) i don't have to (laughs) yeah 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 exactly yeah that is true if i can do it in new because the other thing that i think i feel like every facility i go to and this is not to put anyone on blast but just to hopefully get it just fixed burn nodes almost never work I don't know what it is. And if they do, they've been kind of unreliable. Maybe that's just me having bad luck. I love having a nuke option, which is something that the mill has done really, really well. You know, you can be in flame and launch a bunch of nuke scripts. I like being able to like access my timeline while my batches are cooking or, you know, nuke scripts. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like that, that keeps Framestore me moving actually a has a similar setup. You can have flame up and then nuke, you know. You could be rendering in the background and whatnot on the farm. And look, I'm sure burn nodes work at some facilities and I'm just archaic or had bad luck, but it's been so unreliable that like, you know, you don't want to, it's such a luxury to have access to nuke. And then when I do have a long render, I'm not like sitting there watching my batch tick by, you know, even Mm. 10 minutes. That's, that's a long time to be sitting idle. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I know what you mean. You know, you're freelancing. Do you ever find yourself in a spot at a certain company where it's like they only have flame and you're kind of just like, God, if if I just had a nuke license, I could <laughs> or vice versa. Like, you know, you're only on nuke, let's just say at frame store, and you're like, God, if I only had access to a flame, I could maybe do this faster. Not really, because I do think that the positioning of like the artist is in a different place. When you're a, a, on a flame and you're leading a job, you're not always doing the most intense comping or at least when i'm running a job i don't want to take on the hardest shots because i need to stay able doing other tasks and yeah if i'm at place and i'm like thinking to myself like oh this would be great if i had flame i mean honestly i just try not to think about it yeah <laughs> okay gotcha they're, they're, i really mean I, I i think everyone should learn both yeah because they're both super powerful and if it opens you up to more bookings i think that's or just more opportunities. Like even if you're staff, like break up your day. Like there's so much time on the flame these days devoted to like versioning and that yep. kind of stuff. I know. I don't want to complain about it. I'd rather do something else. So I'll <laughs> try to find a new book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my God, dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I got to pick up my nuke chops. I, you know, I, I go in little spurts where it's like, I'll sit down for a week and learn something and then, Four weeks goes by and I don't even touch nuke. And yeah, it's just, I got to sit down and do it because I have access to it too. It's just about putting in the time, like those little tasks that might take you longer, just take the time to do them a different way. Mm -hmm. And I'll do it differently in flame. Like try to do a shot without touching action. Right. And maybe like those sort of things, like it's the same. Yeah. 
Real, I mean, it's not, but it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think like the flame artist role has changed over the last couple of years? Now with COVID, we're mostly working from home. Nuke is being introduced more within commercials. So do you, do you feel like the flame artist role has changed at all? Or I mean, it definitely has. I think the COVID situation definitely, like at this point, it's really, I don't know how you'd actually build like real intimate relationships with clients working only remotely. Like the, the link comes from the producer, the notes go to the producer. We're kind of just executing. I think that's a problem. I don't look at like Nuke and Flame as competitors. I look at them as two tools to make something to make a client happy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two separate things. Yeah. Yeah. Like they do such different things and the relationship is so different that like they do the same task, but it's like, it's not really comparable, like how you use them interfacing with a client, you know, Mm -hmm. or on a project. I do think the work from home thing has had a pretty profound impact. And also like, I wouldn't want to be a junior artist right now. That'd be terrible. I mean, I learned from someone remotely for the most part, but there was still like constantly some other flame artist coming in working that I could see what they were doing. I don't know. I learned by, by doing, and I definitely learned from those interactions. It would be really yep. hard to like build excitement about the industry working in your living room exclusively. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. I mean, very much like you, I started at a small editorial shop with flame and I'd take on very small jobs. Then we'd hire in freelancers that do the bigger jobs that I didn't have the skill for, and I would always be picking their brain. Yeah. Why are you doing that or whatever? You know, and you pick and choose what you like from each artist and kind of build on that. And you're totally right. It's like, as a junior, I'm not screen sharing with junior artists a lot. I do put it out there. If you have any questions, just ask me. But sometimes it, it doesn't happen. I don't know if it's, you know, they. Are you not going in at all? It's all like all the. It's all been remote. Uh, I just finished this Nike job and I actually went in for two weeks for client sessions for that. But prior to that, everything has been work from home. I log in through Teradici, occasionally have a clear view session, maybe with a client. But other than that, it's po- like you said, it's postings and it's you let the producer know when you've output the QuickTime, they upload it to wherever frame IO or whatever. And then if any notes come in and yeah, that's that's how it's been. How about you? I've been on site since October. Okay. Because I'm, well, we're renovating. So like we don't have the most robust internet. Right. You were saying, yeah, yeah. You were saying. We're in Airbnb right now. So. Okay. I've been working out of method since October. Yeah, since October. And I've had stints otherwise. You know, I did most of that movie Smile. That was done on site because of restrictions of Paramount. Yeah. And prior to that, you know, I did a little bit at Blacksmith. They're, they're. They've been pretty aggressive about on-site. You know, they're a very collaborative, reminiscent of smoke and mirrors type thing. You know? And I think there's strength to that. And I think really one of the bigger things is the thing that I actually should, I say I don't enjoy is that when you've got a mix, like if some people are on-site and some people are remote, it's, I feel like it's more of a headache than if everyone is remote or everyone's on-site. Uh, I want everyone yeah. the same playing field yeah. because otherwise assumptions get made. And then I just think that gets kind of gross. Yeah, it, it's interesting you say that because my experience was I was in with the agency, but everybody else was, well, there were two producers helping me in the office, but everybody else was remote. And for that specific job, that that's all that was required. But I, I see your point of let's get everybody in or everybody just stays home. <laughs> yeah, I guess the counterpoint is like, well, COVID safety, why would you get everyone in? I'm just saying like spread out. Yeah. If, if like some part of the team needs to be there, I think let's lean into it 
and make it work and then take the days where everyone can be remote or whatever just makes communication a lot easier mm-hmm. i think it, it just speeds the project up and isn't that the point yeah no, no i totally agree i think when i had the you know agency attended sessions it actually went faster then posting and getting notes back and you know they're just in the room oh go oh hey can we try that five minutes later you have it done they approve it move on (laughs) the other thing is and i'm going to sound like a total baby but when you send a posting you only so few clients will be like i like that they will just take the time to write what they don't like so it becomes a bit depressing right i find that a good point yeah and in the room, I'll be very quick to be like, well, you know, this would be a cool thing. Could I try something? And, you know, it, they might be asking for a, a, something that can't be done in the amount of time. Okay. And instead, like, you could just, you know, explain or show something that you could do that might make them very happy. And that, that part of the process is just kind of kaput right now. Yeah. Because then if it's on a separate thing as an alternate quick time, like, there's already, like, some sort of reservation about it. You know, you're seeing it as, like, the... The, not their idea or something. I don't know. I, I miss that about about the job for sure. Yeah, no, I totally. think a lot of artists do. It's probably nothing that hasn't been yeah. said in this podcast. Like, no, times. exactly. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> so true. Well, I know you. You know, you've worked on kind of a wide range of things. You know, episodic feature film, commercials. Do you have a preference or is it all kind of the same or? My preference is to do them like in cycles. Yeah, break it up. Yeah, because you can be on a, on a feature doing the same 20 shots for six months and that can really be cool because it's like, well, I don't get the time to make things look this cool before you normally. Yeah. yeah if, if you're only doing that, that can become a bit of a drag. And, you know, maybe there is something nice about like, well, you got seven days, make this car commercial as good as you can. And, you know, that sort of pressure cooker does create limitations, make creativity. Right. So like that, that can be kind of cool. It's not always, you know, it can be stressful. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely stressful, but it's only seven days of your life. And then you're on to something new, you know, (laughs) whereas all the stuff I've kind of done, it's mostly been like documentaries and whatnot. And, but I've heard from other VFX artists who are on a feature, you know, sometimes they're on one shot for six months and I couldn't imagine working on one shot for like every day logging in. And then you're just like, I don't know for, I feel like I would go <laughs> crazy. Never had that experience. So okay. I can't speak. Okay. The, I mean, I worked on one shot, like easily 40, 50 revisions, like design layout changes and stuff. But no, like you're always juggling and that, especially on a feature, you know, you'll have to be like sending like multiple different things, but there's like, you know, you might be on the shot for six months, but you're only touching it a 10th of the time or whatever. Okay. You got all these other requirements you got to posh out too. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And how is episodic? Totally depends. Depends on the show. You know, yeah. I've done, I mean, you worked with me on what's it called? Random acts of flyness. You did some stuff oh, on that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I love that experience. I mean, it was a bit stressful at the end because my frame store died, but... Oh, damn. That was pretty bad. But I didn't know that. No, it was, I had I had redundancies, but it was still not, like, good timing. I mean, when is, but... Yeah, totally. No, so how did you book that job? Was that a freelance? Like, did you run that job by yourself, or...? Yeah. Oh, you did? Damn. The, okay. the, the mixer was a friend of mine, or is a friend of mine, and he had heard the director complaining about a visual effects sequence not coming together. So he's like, hey, I've got a buddy. He might be able to help you. So then they 
it was really an odd situation where it was like direct to HBO through my living room. Oh my gosh. Okay. That was pre-COVID. We were doing the remote thing. Yeah. I mean, people have been doing it for a long time. It's something new, but. I mean, that was 20, if I remember right, was that 2017? No, maybe 2018. I think it was 2018. Yeah. yeah. It was cool. I I don't know. The one bad thing about this, though, working on the long form is it kind of, I never end up watching the stuff that I do on long form. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I know you've been freelancing for a bit. Do you like the freelance lifestyle? Or? I mean, in theory, freelance is great. I've been booked solid for months, so I don't know. Like, I haven't, I'm not very good at taking time off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, right. I've been kind of double dipping on my own project and then taking bookings for a long time, which has become a bit of a, I'm, I'm a little fried for right. sure. <laughs> yeah. No. But, you know, staff is cool because you get, you know, a little bit closer to the the jobs. You know, freelancers, the nice thing is you never have to, like, really do the same thing too much if you don't want to, which mm-hmm. I like. But you're often doing the work that, you know, maybe the staff folks don't want. Okay. Gotcha. That's that's true. <laughs> Unless you're, like, a really good flame artist or a freelancer that they're picking you because you're the best at XYZ. But yeah, that is not me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I know you have your own side projects going on deep into a feature film which is awesome and i've helped out a little bit on that as a working flame artist you don't have much time so how do you how do you schedule your day I've, i have like a borderline compulsion to like be making something you know and if i'm not like in the middle of a movie i'll be painting and by painting i mean like really bad characters and like cartoony type stuff but okay you know even in co- like i said in college i was making a bike video and yeah. It's just part of my routine. Like I wake up at 7.30 every day, I comp for a few hours, and I go to work. And then I usually will render shots off in the evening. But it totally depends on like what part of the process we're in. You know, if I'm writing something, like writing Blue Hour happened almost exclusively at lunch. Wow. No way. Like at the mill? No, this, I wrote that during the pandemic. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. You know, lunch, week, weekends, I don't have children. So yeah. what else yeah, do I yeah. do? <laughs> <laughs> so you got some a little a little bit of free time just a little yeah <laughs> I don't, yeah that that definitely makes up for it okay okay yeah because i know you yeah you told me you would wake up early kind of work on the film before work go to work come back and then it's just consistency that's what gets it done for me that's everything i feel like my only like superpower is just like trying again until it works <laughs> <laughs> okay, for sure. That's, that doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like I, like I will fail and fail and fail until it is right. Yeah, and that's cool. That's part of it. Like I think if if you can do that and you can like constantly have like some sort of drive to just keep going or keep trying, that's really all you need. Yeah, you can learn flame. You can write a weird movie. You can do anything. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> you can do both at the same time. Yeah. Well, what was your experience like directing Blue Hour? Hiring that that was a lot. I think that was in the middle of compositing Smile. I took like a one and a half, two week long vacation to go shoot a feature, and it was crazy, man. Like we had the worst weather luck. You know, we were constantly pivoting schedule because it was like you know shooting in Rochester, New York in March was a bad call. (laughs) But it fit the story, Dan. It fit the story. Ended up fitting the story. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Right. Yeah, it was good. I'm really happy. I love being on set. I love whether it's VFX souping or directing or just like shooting with my camera, like making some weird nonsense. I, I love yeah. that shit. It's fun. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah, we didn't even get into the VFX supervising. I'm not very good at that either. 
No, yeah, right, dude. dude. I'll never. I think it was like 2015. You were out here in LA, yeah, and yeah, we met up. Here. Yeah, that was great. That was like right when I got into Flame. And was it really, dude? It was like a month or two after I I had started at Lost Planet as the LA mm-hmm. like in house. Yeah, and you were out here. I can't remember the. Was it for some candy? I can't remember the shoot you were on, but you were out here mm-hmm. and you you guys were staying in Santa Monica. I do remember yeah, that. At one of those fancy hotels that I'll never go to unless the agency is sending me yeah. there. <laughs> totally. It was um, it was like human stop motion. It was like they wanted to have like people moving. Oh, like they were stop motion, but the heads were going to get comped on later. So then we were doing lot, like real time on the heads. So okay, I don't. I mean, look, just speaking as a filmmaker, that seemed really stressful. Like as the VFX supervisor, it's one thing. Like it's a manageable, compartmentalized thing that you need to worry about yeah a, a set of like 200 people seems exhausting right yeah okay totally how often do you vfx soup I, i'm sure with COVID it's changed but you know prior to COVID, how often were you going on set i mean it would probably be a few times a year okay you know it depends on you know what the bookings are like and where i'm working there's been some it's it's great though like it, this was before i you know certain allegations were made and stuff but like getting to meet kevin spacey meant something a little differently oh dude <laughs> that's right yeah I, I do remember you were working on some of those commercials with him in it yeah yeah which was in hindsight it really explains a lot interesting okay <laughs> was that new york or did you travel for that it was in new york yeah Okay. Well, New Jersey, but you know, same because deal. you got you've kind of been all over. Right? I mean, obviously, I saw you in LA. I feel like you did a bunch of shoots in Florida at one point, and then yeah, you were over in Europe, right? Like Barcelona yeah. and then Estonia or something. Wow, you remember things better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just remember you saying, "Yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of Estonia, but I did like Barcelona." So, yeah, <laughs> it was Lithuania. So, like, it oh, Lithuania. Like- okay. Okay. <laughs> It's so funny. Like if you think about like that chunk of my life, it sounds like I've traveled a ton, but in reality, I just flew across the Atlantic like four times in like a month and a half. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah. What were those for? I don't even remember. A bunch of pharma stuff in Spain that was all set to look like middle America. So just set extension. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, it, just, it was sort of odd. And then Lithuania was cool. Like I didn't like Lithuania. Like I'm just coming off of Barcelona, which ended up being like a super cool city that I liked a lot with fantastic food. And then landing in Lithuania where it was like snowing and got a lot of potatoes to eat. And then not a lot for me to eat there, which is like always my top priority. Wait, are you vegan? I can't no, remember. No, no okay, I'm okay. Just, I just like to eat, so it's... Like, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, okay, okay. I couldn't remember. Okay, I see. But we shot in, like, an old, like, Soviet-era, like, airport thing that had been converted to a soundstage. Oh, so, like, intro- okay. You know, you had all that, like, brutalist architecture. It was yeah. just, like, really cool to see. Yep. I don't want sure. Lithuanians coming after me. Your cities are beautiful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Right, exactly. They are. I mean, it, it's it. It you don't like think of it that way, but like even remember Clark's like library has yeah. like a brutalist vibe, just like these chunks of concrete and just Completely. very angular. And I don't know, it was yeah. cool. Like, it was cool no, shooting totally. like a like a airport hangar thing like that. Damn. Okay. That was for a butter commercial. <laughs> really, all the way in a, uh, Lithuania for butter. Okay. It, it, I don't know how these things ever work out. I mean, I don't want to hear about budgets going down when we're spending this kind of money to like shoot 
Yeah. In Lithuania, or just like the I, I know the hotel. Also, like, like shooting yeah. Barcelona for Middle America. Like, I mean, you feel like you could go to like Omaha, Nebraska for cheap. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a question of talent, and it ends up just being cheaper. Because I will you know say, what? I like, think it is. It's like the unions and like SAG. They they could get. I mean, I one of my first commercials I worked on it was for Volkswagen and. They shot in London and Buenos Aires, and it was to get around, I think, SAG. I don't know. It's just some things are cheaper to just do it internationally. That was definitely the case on the Lithuania shoot. I mean, I, I was just so the, – in Spain, the crews were just the most amazing that I've seen. Really? Okay. Okay. I mean, I was speaking like the worst broken Spanish trying to explain what we were doing with tracking markers or green screens or whatever, and they were just so on it, so fast. and oh, just nice. I felt like I met like the world's most technical DIT there. Just little things like that. Just the the entire shoot experience was on kind of amazing. Level. Yeah, I actually found because I was in China. This is 2016 for a Nike. Oh ad. shit! I remember you going on this shoot, dude. Yeah, and I I emailed you. Do you remember that? Yeah, I did. I was like, Dan, how? Okay, because I have a question for you. But I remember going, how the hell am I going to do this one shot? And I was like, I drew out a diagram and emailed it to you. And I'm like, do you think this is going to work? And you're like, I, yeah, I think, I think it'll work. We actually ended up doing something different. But have you ever been on set? And you go, how the hell am I going to do this? <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Or do you normally show up on set and you're kind of like, okay, wait, let's just do this, 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 and that? I've been like a little confused but I'm always a l- pretty confused. So <laughs> honestly, I feel like maybe I've just gotten lucky. Okay. Unlucky with burn nodes, lucky on set. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think it's always, if you have a really collaborative DP, that's going to be the, the end of most of the problems right there. And yeah. then if the AD is not up your bottom too much, that's Dude, the ADs. Be. It always comes down to the ADs. You know what? Like you talk about jobs that I don't want to do and like that's top of the list. Being like yeah. that kind of just regimented bad cough all the time would be taxing as hell. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, and you're totally right. I mean, I've had, let's see, three big like onset experiences one was horrible one was great and one was in the middle and it always comes down to the ad it really does oh just a little confrontational Hmm. don't really want to spend time to get what you need and you know stuff like that then i had the opposite actually in la it was on the universal lot which was actually amazing and the ad was just great hey what do do you need what do you need we got got that you want the gaffers to go over there and do that? Cool. Like, we, we got you covered. And I'm like, oh my, this is amazing. <laughs> it's so fun to be like, oh, I was on the lot. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Have you no, ever seen, I mean, the, the street is in a ton of movies, but my favorite, The Burbs. Have you ever seen that Joe Dante? Yeah. Okay, do, that it's street. Yes. We, <laughs> yeah, we, we were filming on that street. Oh, cool. So I was like, oh my God, there's Tom Hanks's house. There's, you know, oh God, why Rumsfeld, you know, the the militant dude across the street. His house was still there. Yeah, it's so funny. But I know that's, a, I think Joe Dante also filmed Gremlins, oh, a really? little neighborhood in Gremlins. Is that, that was same street? Lot? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that would make sense. Gremlins is an Amblin thing. So I would, yeah. They'd probably so it was, it was just so funny showing up. You're like, wait, what? Like, I, oh, I know this place. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I mean, do you do you have any tips and tricks for VFX souping? I mean, I know every job is different, but recently, what I've seen on some shoots is like LED using very tiny LEDs for tracking markers. So instead of using tape, like, do you have any? 
Nothing that stands out. I mean, my big thing is just always carrying my camera with me and just shooting every texture that I think I might need and that kind okay. of thing. And just like making sure the agency feels heard. Yeah. You know, they're going to have concerns. And I feel like half of the job is to be like a, like a safety net for them. Mm-hmm. And when you were VFX shipping, would you mostly lead that job through the end or sometimes you'd hand it off to other artists? Yeah, mixed bag. You know, sometimes... You know, you do a handoff. Sometimes you're you're on it till the end. I'd rather be on it to the end. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Actually, that job I was saying that was awesome on the Universal lot. That was a handoff, and you just oh, always go, weird. God, I, I hope it went. <laughs> I hope it went well. <laughs> a big pet peeve of mine is people complaining about what did or didn't happen on set. Yes, because it's not going to change anything, right? And I don't see the point. Yeah, it's a it's a stressful time on set as is. Nothing's going to be perfect. Like, I guess like the frustrating part about our job is that, you know, we can go on and on and on and on, but also we can undo and iterate up and try again. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that luxury. So the holier than thou kind of like, well, why are there tracking marks on that? Like, like, okay, there aren't. Deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just figure it out. Yeah. No, I'm I'm not saying that as an excuse for me being a crappy VFX supervisor. I'm just saying that, like, when you're in the room, I don't want to be complaining about what the production did or didn't. Like, look, if there's something super egregious, sure. I guess there comes a point where anything is a big problem, but. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there seems to be a lot of that that I hear on jobs. And. Okay. I don't think it's useful. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I don't know when the next time I'll VFX suit, but it's, it's been years. I mean, honestly, I think last time I was on set was. 2017 or something it's like a different world it's a different world man it's shooting on yeah yeah exactly yeah no that was oh do you are you like militant of getting lens grids no okay i you see i try but sometimes you just don't have the time and then you're just like fuck i hope this doesn't burn me <laughs> in the end <laughs> depends on the job right like if you're doing I, i've souped a bunch of like beauty jobs and there's mm. i can think of no almost no reason like, that why I would, would you into. yeah okay okay gotcha. you know, I, I don't go into any task whether it's like batch or a nuke script or a shoot with like a default way of doing it which is probably a bad way to go but they're all different yeah the tasks are always different the resources are always so different yeah i guess, I guess if it's like a heavy cg spot you'll need the grids but yeah if it's just beauty like cleanup there's i've never undistorted for beauty (laughs) (laughs) but there have been a lot of beauty clients that want a vfx supervisor there because you know they're thinking about a transitional element or you know yeah i've done a lot of design heavy work where you know there is like a fair amount of graphics and stuff that are going to be composited in weird ways so Mm -hmm. okay but you know the lens grids are great if it's like a cg heavy job but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself militant about anything. Okay. Yeah. 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 Which is probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you felt any um, kind of differences within the industry in the last couple of years? Or do, do you think we'll be going back to more of a work in the studio? I know you said some of the shops you're working for are more hands on in the studio. Do you see that happening or more companies staying remote? I think the genie's out of the bottle. I don't think you're getting all your employees back. So yeah. I think it's staying remote. For the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And do you prefer that? I know I know you said you've been going into method, but do you prefer work from home or do you do you like going into the office? Depends on the tasks. You know, there's some things that I do definitely do 
better in the privacy of my own home, just quietly working away. Yeah. There's some things that I really prefer in the studio. And I think the biggest pitfall, which besides the junior situation, I think, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone is in the same work from home situation. You know, my wife and I are stepping on top of each other when we work from home. Oh, That's right. not always yeah. great. Some people have children running around, you know, or shit internet. Like, yeah. I, I have children r- running around every once in a while. So, yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> Which have, which have been on calls too, which is oh, hilarious. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's Does happened. Ollie, like shake the screen or. Oh, that's probably happened. Yeah. For <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> or he jumps on my back and is like, yeah, been there, been there. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to, you know, it's not everyone's playing on the same field to use the analogy I've already used before. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to like remember that, you know, when you're just trying to get the shots done. And, like this other person might be taking care of like a sick family member or something. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay. I don't think it's going back though. Like I don't think the clients, they don't, I don't think they necessarily want to be going in. I think people have moved wherever. I don't know. There's, I would imagine you've seen a bit of people leaving LA. Definitely. Yes. And actually even recently, I know some people that have left and yeah, we are in a world where you can just, yeah, work from home and not have to go into an office if you don't want to, which I, I find pretty amazing. The thing is, like, getting that flexibility and actually having it be flexible does seem like a holy grail that doesn't really exist. Studios want to put, to, you know, you have to be down to come in these days or that. Like, I, I want it to be actually flexible or to, I don't know, work to my benefit. I feel like so many yeah. employees across so many different types of industries kept businesses running through the pandemic by being flexible. Yes. I think we've, we've earned that respect back. Yeah. Like if my train isn't running, I I shouldn't be shelling out 50 bucks for a cab if I can do the job from home. Just go home and take care of it. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah, as long no as you're getting the work Tuesday done. Or whatever. Like, yeah. Oh, no, I totally agree. Yeah, especially when, because I've heard of companies too, where it's like on Wednesdays, this department's coming in. On Thursdays, I don't know. I mean, I say go in when you need to. Like if you have clients that are requesting you, then yes, go in. But other than that... <laughs> I don't know. I think that it goes beyond the clients too, because there is a like loss of camaraderie and artist development. I think that like scheduling some time to be like, look, if you're going to mentor this person, you know, pick the day, but you two both go in and And do it. Yeah. yeah. That is a good point with like junior artists and whatnot, for sure. It's just, you know, I, I think that there is strengths to it. And I hate to be like the person being like, yeah, it's great to be in the office because I know a lot of people don't want those commutes back and that's wasted time. But yeah. Personally, I get more done in the office, and I think it's useful. Oh, wow. Okay, so you do get more done in the office. I think so. Okay. Because I know in the logic forums, people have been talking about junior artists and how it's hard to come up. Do you find, when you're talking about junior artists, are these junior flame artists or junior nuke artists? Either one. Okay. So there are you are seeing people interested in flame and wanting to learn it. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay. I've met juniors who have no interest in nuke. That was that, that was kind of me. I do remember. I was like, no, it's flame all the way. And now I'm finally like, okay, I got to learn nuke, man. Like, <laughs> I got to get on this. <laughs> I think that if you want to be a good compositor, like, look, I hate, I know this is like the flame logic. No, I, no, I understand dude. my audience. I'm sorry that we've talked about nuke so much because that's no, probably. No, no, dude. Really it's, I mean, annoying. nuke is, it's a thing, you know? <laughs> I think we should talk about it. I feel as though I don't really consider myself even a flame artist. I consider myself like I make, I do visual effects and I do compositing and I use flame. I use nuke. Okay. And I think everyone should 
try to, you know, if you only want to use flame, great. But then please, I, I'm so tired of getting like the notification that that email about, I wish I could still be a flame advocate. Every time that comes oh. up, I'm like, right. I, I don't care what programs you want to advocate for. It doesn't matter right. Right. to me at all. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 I, I know. I hate mean. to have such a tone about it, but it's just, yeah. I think for the better part of my like, 15-ish year career, all I hear about is this is the end of flame, this is the end of flame. And I'm just, it's not, it's a very useful tool. And I'm not that attached to any piece of software. I'm attached to making clients happy and doing cool stuff. Right. So yeah. So if a new software pops up that's better, you'll jump over to that. My bank account might get upset. And I think that's why people have these fears, but or <laughs> frustrations. I don't mean to project people's mind states. On oh, them. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But, uh, you know, Look, Flame's great. Just another way to make your clients think that you're doing something special. Right. It hopefully we are that. doing something special. Right. No, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Well, Dan, this was awesome. Thank you for catching up. Yeah, man. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too, man. Yeah, we got to we gotta catch up more often. Yeah, dude. Especially when you're in caveman mode. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. You know, once a year, you know, it, it comes out. So, is that what you do? You just go, you let your hair I, I go beard? basically about a year and then I get a haircut. <laughs> I like that's, it. Yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> I do it's remember just, at one point you you were rocking some long hair. Yeah, I mean, I could, I, I think I'm not going back. Speaking of things not changing yeah. or going back because of the pandemic or whatever, you know, I've been just cutting my own hair and I, I'll, I'll never go get a barber again. Damn. Okay. Okay. I like cutting my own hair. I, I shave my face. I can cut my hair. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and it looks good too, man. So. Thank you. <laughs> For sure. All right, man. Well, we'll catch up soon. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Dan. Take care, Glenn. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage if you need any help with roto, paint, cleanup, or 3D match move, give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com See you next time. <laughs>